0: Estadio Azteca, and then the popcorn lady stands right in front of you before the PK shot. You know, but it's his fault, because he's yelling aguas,
1: In Spanish that's like, that's like, look out, out, watch out, but it's also like,
0: (laughs) hey, where are the waters at? I mean, the stadium is not packed. Bro, you can't move. You can't move. Welcome to football,
1: oh. Américas. You know that's never happened before, but that is peak Concacaf at its <laughs> finest. Uh, no Sebi Salazar again. My man gets paid too much on vacation. Yeah, and, but Mauricio Pedrosa, the DP, is here in his place. Mar-
0: What's up, everyone? Happy to be here. Um, I've been to Estadio Seca many times, <laughs> and I was never obstructed by popcorn lady. Good offer. I'm popcorn, by yeah, the way, I, I was, was going to
1: say, usually when I've been to Estadio Azteca and I hear aguas, aguas, I'm
0: done. Yeah, you got you got, you got it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's about right. All right, fun show for this Thursday. We'll have a one-on-one with Alfonso Davis coming up. He's going to play the Clásica on ABC. We'll go to that. And a very nice recap of what has happened in the U.S. Open Cup. Mm. Uh, some cup sets. I love that one. I love the cup sets. Who coined that, by my, the way? My favorite word of the day. Okay. Uh, let's get things started. Both the US Men's national team and Mexico announced venues for their respective friendly matches that will serve as preparation for both the CONCACAF Nations League, but also for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. The US will host Morocco at the TQL Stadium in Cincinnati, Ohio. That's on June 1st. Mexico will play three matches in US territory against Nigeria and Dallas. Then Uruguay. That game will be played in Glendale, Arizona. And then Ecuador June 5th in Chicago. So, Herc, let's start with the UN Smiths national team. Are you cool? that they're going back to Cincinnati to play this game against Morocco.
1: No, I'm not cool with it. Listen, uh, Ohio has treated the U.S. men's national team very well. It's been a fortress. That's why they feel like they have a home field advantage. Uh, But you've already qualified. There's no need to head back to Ohio as grateful as you are, assuming that you have to play in the United States. Uh, This is a very big country. 50 states, spread the love. It's literally what the game is about. It's the mission statement for U.S. soccer is to grow the game. Take it out of Ohio, take it out of Minnesota, take it out of Florida, take it to places that you've never been. There are a lot of different U.S. men's national team fans out there. All types of walks of life, all types of backgrounds and diversities. Most who will never get a chance to see their national team unless you go to them. You've already qualified. The most difficult thing has already passed.
0: Now share the game, spread the wealth. All right, help me out here cuz we'll want to talk about Mexico in a moment, but I want to understand the reasoning behind taking this game to this specific cities, to this specific states. Why is that Ohio is such an important location for the U.N.'s men's national team and U.S. soccer?
1: Well, if we're talking about sporting reasons, it's because where they've generated the best results. Yeah, but it's it's a friendly match. But it's a friendly match. If we're talking about other reasons, well, I think it's a a business matter, right? If you build a stadium and it's an MLS stadium and then uh, some comes into play, U.S. soccer comes into play, maybe there are some treaties and I don't have any... Uh, proof of evidence of this, but I would lead me to believe like maybe they said, Hey, we will put a game here in the future. But think about all these different states, underserved communities, underserved footballing cultures you can get to. Look at all the great, look what the Open Cup has taught us. All these great undercover, hidden under rocks, and I shouldn't even say rocks, hidden gems that are these soccer, and communities, take them there. Grow the game there. Don't just isolate it to what is Ohio, to what is Florida, to what is Minnesota. You could say whatever you want, but the mission statement about U.S. soccer is to grow the game.
0: And yeah, this is nothing against the beautiful state of Ohio. I was there with you for the U.S. Miss national team versus Mexico World Cup qualifier game. It was my first time watching a game like that under those circumstances, and I thought the atmosphere was outstanding. I mean, hats off to the crowd in Cincinnati. I mean, me being Mexican and attending that game, I thought about the Mexican players, and I was like, yeah, this is intimidating. This does feel like a World Cup qualifier game. But when you talk about friendly matches, preparation for either CONCACAF Nations League or the World Cup, you want to have more states involved, right? It's and and In and, and Mexico, we have a saying for the national team, el equipo de todos. Everybody's team, right? It's not listen, Ohio's team. Listen, beautiful, it's not Florida's beautiful little team. Sta-
1: beautiful little stadium, but it's still a very beautiful little stadium. Take it to bigger stadiums, spread the wealth. Take it to places you've never been to, Alaska, Hawaii. Take it to North Dakota. Take it to Idaho. I don't care. Spread the wealth. The mission of U.S. soccer should be to grow the game. That includes the U.S. Men's National team. All walks of life, all different diversities and backgrounds should have the opportunity to see their nation play as well.
0: All right, let's talk about Mexico. And let me just go ahead here. And I'm not cool with the fact Mm. that the the Mexican national team will play all of their friendly matches before the World Cup in U.S. territory. Again, this has nothing to do against the large-grade enthusiastic crowd of Mexican fans in the United States of America. But if we go back to recent history, why has the Mexican national team not played friendly matches in the last two years in Mexico? I know we will know the main reason, which is money. This is a dollars versus Mexican pesos contest, and that is actually a no contest. But if we wanna believe that this is El Equipo de Todos, everybody's team. You know the last time the Mexico played a friendly match outside of Estadio Azteca? It was two years ago in Toluca, which is still part of the large territory of Mexico City. I know it's a different state, but still part in the same territory. That was a Nations League game, if I don't,
1: if I remember Bermuda. Uh, uh, Yes, I understand what you're saying. We also have to put it into context. There has been a pandemic. We're still currently in a pandemic and that affected, but this isn't an isolated incident. It wasn't like the pandemic came in and things changed. That's what it's been like before. And it's the bottom dollar, Mauricio. Now, I'm curious about this because I was born in, I was born here in the States and I'm of Mexican immigrant parents and I see the way the Mexican Federation some peddle the Mexican national team and sell nostalgia, sell the nostalgic state of what is the Mexican supporter, and they sell it for big dollars. You as somebody who now works here in the U.S., you as somebody who's lived and covered this country, this national team for many, many years, what do you feel when they don't give those in Mexico the opportunity
0: to see their own national team? If I'm speaking as a fan, I resent that. And The current relationship between the national team and the fans is not ideal. We've had El Grito, right? And then we had the words from Hector Herrera saying that the Mexican fans are probably not doing their job. When the team plays there, they're not putting pressure on opposing team. The, the fans rescinded that. And we've watched many games. If things don't go well for the Mexican national team, the fans will start booing. And I think that's one of the reasons yeah, that, that, the reason. that the executives, maybe the coaching staff, they don't want the crowd to start booing the players. I wanna I want to place this difference, and I don't know if you agree with me on this. When the Mexican national team plays a friendly match in Mexico, right, the level or the average fan—it's going to be demanding a good show. It's going to be demanding a good performance from the team. It's not the same. It's whoa, not the whoa, same whoa, here
1: whoa, in the whoa, states. Whoa, 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 whoa! Are you telling me the fan that comes out to the Juego Moleros that pays top dollar is not demanding? They're not as demanding as the crowd oh, back whoa, in Mexico. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Are Are you, not telling, as me? They're not. Are you telling me they're, they're not? not. Now, you know what, they're not, They're and, and this I say this with all due respect because I've seen it many times. I've seen the Mexican national team go to here a game in the United States, these Juego Moleros, yeah. and they're going to play against a C team, a Croatia C team at AT&T Stadium, and they're going to fill up the stadium. Yes, The stadium's going to be packed. That crazy stadium's going to be packed. But they go to the hotel, and they're asking for Chucky Lozano. They're asking for Raul Jimenez.
0: They're asking for Memo Ochoa, and then they come and find out they're not even the squad that game. No, and during the game, if they start playing Celito Lindo, Everybody's gonna start singing along. If they start uh, playing the mariachi loco on the PA announcing system, people are gonna be, they go there for the party of tour. watching the Mexican national team. The nostalgia, the nostalgia. Yeah. Yes. And uh, finally, we, I mean, it's, it's not cool. They have to go back. Speaking of Partidos Moleros, El Tata Martino uh, has announced the roster for the match against Guatemala. This is a 20-player roster, and when you start taking a look at the names, what's the first thing that stands out for you? I
1: know a lot of people are gonna say, Jonathan Gomez, Jonathan Gomez. That's not the first thing that stands out to me. Uh, this is almost expected. He's hated yeah. himself many yeah. times, he's keeping that open, so don't freak out on either side. Don't get too excited, don't get too bummed, relax. He's only 18, uh, big decision for him. It's, for me, Alejandro Sendejas. Uh, when you talk about a player, this guy who's i whose is born, El Paso, Brad. I don't know what's in the water in El Paso, but they are churning out some footballers, some very good football players. 24 years of age, six goals last year, comes to America, heavily criticized move to America. Many were like, he's not an America type of player, and he leads America with goals. Former Chivas
0: player. Former Chivas (laughs) player, former
1: (laughs) FC Dallas product, again, FC Dallas. This player, 24 years of age, who played on the youth national teams with players like Christian Pulisic right now, One of the bright spots, bright stars uh, for Club America. He can play out wide, he's been playing as an interior. Very good for his size in the air. He's only 5'7", good rematador, good header of the ball. He seems to be a very good balanced player. So the guy who got called in, this is the one that stands out. Now there's also Vigón who did not get called in, who you know, that's a big head-scratcher for
0: No, me. no Vigón, no Victor Guzmán, no Alan Mosso but there's a reason for yeah. that, because Pumas will play the CONCACAF Champions League final against hosting Seattle Sounders' first leg. So, to me, I mean, I think it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. It's my boy. Who's your boy? Flores. Oh, uh, Marcelo. Marcelo Flores is on this roster, and I wrote... I wrote down a list of demands for Tata Martino now that he's gonna have the chance to hang out with Marcelo Flores during uh, the next couple of weeks. All right, here we go. Number one, he has to be given the number 10 jersey, right? (laughs) Number one. What
2: are you doing?
0: (laughs) Number two, (laughs) he has to be named captain of this squad. And number three, and most important, (laughs) he has to be assured that he will be included. In the 26th player roster for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar, he's not even that played first-team football, I and you already want to guarantee
1: him the 10 10- year? Okay, let me tell you. Let me tell you, Tata Martino has made a mistake. Tata,
0: Martino, <laughs> he's made many mistakes.
1: No, but getting it to this point. Yeah. Marcelo Flores, to this point right now, now you're going to play him in a juego molero against Guatemala where you should win, you should rout, and you probably will. And he may feature in that. Do you know what the hype will be around this guy when he does feature like that? There have only been a select few players that have taken that step of national team before first team. Yep. With the Mexican national team. And those players are Giovanni Dos Santos, the Dos Santos brothers. Giovanni Dos Santos, uh, John Dos Santos, and Carlos, Carlos Vela. Vela. All very good national team careers. Gio Dos Santos, you could argue, has a top five national team career. Okay? Big players. Yeah, Big okay. Big players. Okay, okay. He's leaving it now in these games that no, son trans- they, they, they don't mean anything. No, they're not important. They're not important.
0: And you can easily route the opponent. He could be creating a bigger monster than he thought. Yeah, I think he's made for that kind of pressure. I don't think he minds that pressure. No, I'm pressure. talking about Tata. Oh, tata, 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 tata Martino. Oh, yeah, yeah. no doubt. I'm talking about that, that, that's big pressure on Tata yeah. Martino. The last time, I was trying to think, when was the last time that we hyped a player starting for the national team? You hyped Diego Laine. No, you know, I, I had to go all the way back to Neri Castillo. Neri Castillo. 2007 oh, ne- was playing in europe he was playing in europe okay. marcelo flores is playing no, in europe. first
1: division in europe
0: uh, well he was, and he was a called, dual national you oh, already had Mikel arteta for- talking about marcelo flores come on that's I mean something dual
1: national, get called up for greece as well so there's a bit more like hey well actually he's a dual national as well Well, by the way
0: i i i, I, I talked with a reporter who asked Mikel arteta that question and then he said that of the record Mikel arteta is very pleased with marcelo flores all right Let's move on. Let's run it back. Speaking of Mexican national team players, my goodness, he is back. Tecatito Corona scored for the first time as a Sevilla player. He actually scored twice. He hadn't scored in league play since January 29th of last year. He's looked really good since joining Sevilla Herc, Why?
1: Uh, Because he's confident. I mean, how obvious is this turnaround? Look at both goals, at by the, the way, in the box. Yes, almost like a second number nine. He's more of a dribbler, more of a wide player, but he's showing he could step in the lining, showing he could play the box area very well. When he was at Porto, you remember the blacklisted players, how everything started with Tata Martino? He was actually one of the originals. Right. You remember Jose Concezao getting upset because he didn't want him to take a transatlantic flight to just go see El Tri and Tata Martino. Tata Martino got upset, then it became upset with Jose Concezao, then upset with Tecateo Corona. It was a toxic environment. He's happy now. He's playing. He's thriving. He's playing with a coach who knows him, a coach who values him, a coach who actually plays him and... Tecatito Corona, for the better part of, I would say, the last six, seven years, has been a very consistent player. sans this year. He's doing it right now with Sevilla he's showing us what we've always seen.
0: Yeah, we had uh, a conversation with Moises Jorens earlier this Thursday on Ahora o Nunca. He's La Liga insider for ESPN and he mentioned something that w- really concerned me, that there's a chance that Julian Lopetegui will yeah. not be Sevilla's manager for next season. If that's the case, that's going to be a big problem for Tecatito Corona because Lopetegui was crucial in yeah. Sevilla signing him. If Lopetegui stays, then I'm very confident that we'll finally have heard a very good Tecatito Corona, a Tecatito Corona in a very good form for the World Cup, something that we don't really necessarily have seen in his national team history.
1: Yeah, I'm still okay because of
0: their history, because of Sevilla and the
1: club that they are. I think they will get a good coach no matter what, and he's a good player no matter what. He's going to prove it. He seems to be that type of player. He proved that at Porto when he had an opportunity to play. He's proven it here in the brief time in Sevilla.
0: Yeah, so it's good to see him doing well like that. It's only an internet rumor amplified, by the way, by Marca about the possibility of Raul Jimenez joining Bayern Munich in the summer. It's not clear that Robert Lewandowski will resign with Bayern, Barcelona will make a push to get him. And if that happens, what's the likelihood Herc, that Raul Replaces Robert Lewandowski at Bayern, yeah. Marca
1: running with this one, so uh, so will we then? We will talk about sure, it. Sure, uh, he's 30 years old, right? If you would have told me this was two years ago when he was a younger and b at the height of his playing career, when he was so good, he had a crazy 18 months before that very unfortunate injury with Avi Luis, uh, in November of 2020. Before that, I would have said. Crazy possibility. Absolutely. Yes, this could actually make sense because he was at that playing level. He's not at that playing level right now. He's not at the playing level right now. He's not at the confidence level right now. He's 30 years old. He's got six goals this year in the Premier League. A lot of those out of the penalty spot. He's not the same player as of yet. I have a hard time, not because he's not a good player. I think if you put him in, he's not going to stand out. Like he's not going to be out of place. You know, he's a good player. But at 30 years old and Bayern Munich, the ability to go out and get anybody they want in the world, I just, I see this as a stretch.
0: So if I had read that report a rumor uh, without that final, final words, replaces Lewandowski, I might've have have a better chance of believing the whole thing. Raul Jimenez, if he ever signs for Bayern, I don't think he will be the one player that Oliver Kahn or Hassan Salihamidzic, the sporting directors for the club, are thinking to replace one of the best, if not the best, number nine in the world. Uh, Chupomotin was supposed to be that guy, and he hasn't seen much minutes because Robert Lewandowski never comes out of it. He plays (laughs) every single minute because he wants to break every single record. Now, if Lewandowski leaves and there's another big-time number nine for Bayern but also they want someone to give some quality minutes, then I think there's a chance that there's some truth to these rumors, but not player for player, not Raul Jimenez, especially because of his age, replacing Robert Lewandowski. Yeah, if
1: this was two years ago when he was at the height of his career, when honestly his name was being circulated with the best players in
0: the world, Maybe. Yeah, okay, this is not a rumor. It is actually a report from the Washington Post reporter Stephen Goff. He tweeted that DC United has exchanged proposals with Gareth Bale's agent to join the club on a free transfer. His Real Madrid contract expires this summer. If that happens, would he be then be the best player in the region, (laughs) Herc? Absolutely,
1: Major League Soccer league. I whatever you want to put any league up here. He would be the best player. He's only 32 years of age, and I know what many are saying. Wait a second, but he's not even played for Real Madrid. Yes, he doesn't. I would play say that for Real Madrid because contractual stuff. Because he's in a fight uh, well, right there contractually. When he played at Tottenham, he's a very good player. And did you not see him play against Austria in that World Cup qualifier in the playoff? He's an insane man on the mm, field. Mm he would be the best player in Major League Soccer by far. Okay. He would be the best player in Liga MX. If you don't see it, it's because you're choosing to acknowledge it and you're bringing in ignorance. This is a very good player. <laughs> so wow. very good age. Wow. No, no. Uh, yes, um, yes. And if DC, that's the only thing, I'll copy it here. If DC gets him, uh, I'd be a little shocked. But if he can come to Major League Soccer, automatically. All
0: right, player. then allow me to bring ignorance into the conversation. <laughs> allow me to ignore what you just said. Uh, if this Kern, Gareth Bale, Comes to Major League Soccer, he would not be even the best player in the league. If this Gardbell comes, let me ask you a question. Uh, that it's famous banner, right? That famous banner. Wales, Golf, Madrid. Do you know who he is? If, if that's the Madrid. case, where, where does DC United stand there in that on that banner? Is it DC United, Wales, and Golf? Golf. Wells, DC United, where do you think his priorities are going to be? You're talking about a guy who scored more goals than Ronaldo at Madrid. Yeah, a long, more I mean, he hasn't he scored in a while, by the way.
1: He's won four Champions League. This is still a very good player. We've seen it as briefly as three weeks ago, destroying Austria. He may go with to Wales. the World Cup sure. and the U.S. Men's National Team, yes, with Wales, yeah. his country, U.S. Yeah. Men's National Team group, and if he's in the group of the U.S. Men's National Team, I am telling you, I am afraid for the U.S. Men's National Team. I'm afraid for England. He's such a good player. He would be the best player in this region. Who are you going to say is the best player I if have, it's not him?
0: Uh, I'll, I can make uh, a list. I think Chicharito will be in better form than Gareth Bale, by the way. He would be in better form than Gareth Bale. I have no question. Lorenzo Insigne will come to Toronto. Lorenzo Insigne would definitely be a better player than Gareth Bale. Now, every uh, single, now every single example that you're bringing to the conversation has to do with his national team. With his national team. If he's not motivated, right? He plays for Real Madrid. One of the most, if not the most, historic club in soccer. What thing? is going to motivate him, Right to play for D.C. United. Where is he going to find like, his motivation?
1: I, I, th- this baffles me when players say when he wants to, if he's motivated. <laughs> that's, that's the case. Just retire if Bell. you're not motivated. You, was, think, you, think mean, he, you think he's hurting for money? Uh, Do you no. really think Gareth Bell well, is hurting for money? No. You don't think he, he would rather sit on a golf course somewhere but if, if he, he didn't want to play? We, we have to, everybody, and this isn't just, this is, I'm not talking to you, Mel. Okay. Everybody, stop with the <laughs> He wants to go play golf. He's not. Yes, he wants golf. to go play golf. He like, does. Get out of here. He like, does. Seriously. Take yourself seriously for a second. This is a professional football, a very is good. He? A, a, is a, he once in a, in a generation he? type of player that you were having doubts Let about playing in Major League Soccer? Has he we're having doubts about him playing in Major League Soccer. Let me ask
0: you this wow. Has he behaved as a wow. professional? Club player as wow. of recent, has he behaved as a professional player recently? Look at United? his resume. He has not. The Look answer is resume. he has not. No, he has not. DC United doesn't need that, by the way. Are there know. any good golf courses around the DC United area? Their are facilities I'm or something? Are. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, that's that's good for them. All right. Um, bad news regarding U.S. Smith National Team players and injuries. Huffingham announced that Chris Richards is out for the season with a. By injury likely that ends his tenure with the club he's there on loan from FC Bayern Munich this only adds hurt to a long list of U.S. national team players that have been have uh, have struggled with injuries lately yeah, he got injured um, with the U.S. Men's National Team,
1: and this could be something that lingered over. Maybe he's compensating, uh, but it is, it is another injury, and it's unfortunate because as you look at the names, there Weston McKinney, Giovanni Reyna, Matt Turner, Chris Richards, Sergio Des, Daryl Dike, Brendan Aronson, it is an exclusive list, and it seems to be uh, growing and growing. But these are also young players. Yep. And, and what I will stress is these little things, soft tissue, et cetera, et cetera, they happen to every footballer. It's going to happen. They
0: need to learn how to roll with these punches. Blessing this guys that the World Cup is not played in the summer, right?
2: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple.
0: The good, the bad, and the ugly. Courtesy of the third round of the US Open Cup. We'll start with the good. Union Omaha becomes the first US League One team, USL League One team to defeat an MLS team. They took Chicago Fire to PKs and knocked them out of the competition. Yeah, uh, the Owls, the, the owls, owls, what to the a homies. name.
1: The Owls to the homies, the Union Omaha team. Uh, this is looking like it's gonna be Chicago, right? It looks like it's going to be Chicago. They're gonna get a 2-1 victory here. <laughs> no, my man, Alex, touche. Is it touche or touche? I do not know, but watch this. I'll say 121 that. minute, go ahead, 122 minutes. Yes. We're gonna send in a penalty kicks. This is, these are, I should say, the defending USL League One champions. That's right. That's like, what, tier three, third division, the old D3. I'm a D3 USL alumni. Take them to the house, homies. Come on, penalty kicks, low standing. You got
0: it. Game played at Solder Field. We can only imagine what it means for these players. That moment, good for them, good for the Owls. Uh, My college team was also called the Owls, Los Bulls. Now the bat, we no longer have amateur teams. Both the two remaining were eliminated. FC Motown and NC Fusion under 23, both out of the US Open Cup.
1: Yeah, uh, well, this is right here is uh, the Carolina team against the Richmond Kickers. Uh, that one, unfortunately, they hurt. lost to the
0: Richmond Kickers. Uh, yep.
1: But took the look, both teams took their pro opponents to the brink. The Fusion gave up the deciding goal, 118th minute, and then FC Motown. This one hurts because they lost to the Rochester Rhinos. Oh, I'm sorry, New York. It's not the Rhinos anymore. No. I hate that. They should have kept the Rhino name. They ended up losing. But more power to them for getting this far.
0: Rhinos is actually not a better name than, than the Owls, if you ask me. No, 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 no. They should have kept the no, Rhinos. They should I, have kept their history. I mean, it sounds, sounds cool, but the Owls, much better. Uh, no more amateur teams in the Cup. And the Ugly. First of all, the name is amazing. Cup sets. Four Major League Soccer Cup sets. Columbus Crew, Chicago Fire, Real Salt Lake, and Austin FC are out of the Cup.
1: All right, this is ugly. Let me tell you why this is ugly, okay? There are 103 teams, I believe, in this year's edition of the US Open Cup. It's such a special tournament. Amateur teams, fourth division, third division, second division, MLS. They're all gonna play against each other. Major League Soccer gets a pass until the third round. Okay? That means everybody else plays more games than you. Yeah, this that is means, the third round. That means if you want to win a trophy, you've got six games to do it. Six games to win a trophy. There are MLS teams that are in their miserable existence have never won a trophy. You have six games to lift a trophy. And that some teams don't take it seriously or some teams take seriously the opposition lightly, they don't realize how much U.S. soccer has grown, how much the lower divisions have grown in culture and sophistication and playing ability. And then this happens to you. It's six games, Mao. Six games, take it seriously. Serious clubs. They want to win trophies, six games, and you lose to these teams. More power to these teams, more power to lower division football because they are taking it seriously.
0: Yeah, six games in the span of seven months. So you can actually take the time to play, to play seriously, right? That's all we ask for, take it seriously. You know what six games are? The amount of games Matias made in San Jose Earthquakes can lose in a month. That's all it takes. <laughs> I was probably uncalled for, but okay, we'll take that. Uh, The San Antonio-Austin game decided in the 96th minute, that's the game winner, San Antonio, knocking Austin FC out of the Open Cup. All right, let's move on. By the way, awesome scenes looking at the crowd. This is what it's going to look like. The round of 32 matches will be played May 10th. Yeah, oh, by the way, the winner of the
1: Open Cup 300K, Yeah, that's more than MLS Cup for the championship. That's more than you get for
0: winning MLS Cup. Six games! Not bad at all. And here we have the rest of the games. These are the games that will be played May 11 remember there's a regional draw yeah still in this uh, phase of the tournament as our good friend sebastian salazar pointed out on
1: social media heartbreaking that there isn't more of these mls yeah. versus you know usl lower
0: division team matchups i agree uh i'm rooting by the way for uh rochester new york that's my team the rhinos they're not the rhinos the rhinos no. that's gonna be my team from <laughs> now on the rhinos all right According to sources, Carlos Vela and LAFC have reached an agreement on a contract extension at least until the end of the 2023 season. He would reportedly remain on the roster as a designated player. No more details on the salary or if the contract extension is actually past the 2023 season. At least. One, two more seasons for Carlos Vela at LAFC. No surprises here, right? Well,
1: let's reserve judgment until we get the contract details. But sure. the way he was playing, the way Carlos Vela was playing—four goals, two assists—looking like the Carlos Vela of old. And I'm not even talking about the goals and assists. I, sh- I just mentioned them. But if you look at that LA Galaxy game, he's looking more and more like his normal self. That's a good thing for Major League Soccer. So,
0: so we we called the game on Sunday. I don't I don't still believe he's 100% where he wants to be. But I see a motivated Carlos Vela, unlike Gareth Bale. I see a committed Carlos Vela uh, playing different positions on the field. Now, my question to you is, is it still smart to have him as a designated player? He's not going to accept everything else, of course, but... Do you believe LAFC is making the right decision here?
1: Well, given the circumstances, I mean, you, you leave him out for the next six months and what do you do with that DP spot? And they're very intricate mechanisms where if a player is gone for six months or comes in for six months, it counts for the next year. All these crazy loopholes, trust me, I dealt with it when I was in Major <laughs> League Soccer. So given the circumstances of what we know, it makes sense. And he's playing at a high level. He can get better, yes, because yeah. we've seen the best of him. 34 goals, 15 assists in a historic 2019 season. Uh, but this is more of the Carlos Vela that we're used to seeing
0: so yes yeah start the season with the bang with the hat-trick on their first game more major league soccer news dc united fired their manager hernando sada only six games into the season the team had lost four games in a row last place in the eastern conference surprise her by the timing of the ti- uh, by the timing of the firing here by the timing of the firing yes now People can say, and we've
1: seen reports, Palomaro of The Athletic has reported very well, uh, of sources claiming that there was friction between Lozada and players, Lozada and upper management. That is fine. Okay, I can accept that, and maybe that is a part of the element of why he left. But you gave Ben Olsen 10 years, 10 years of a team that was just there, irrelevant. And Lozada is gone after... One season, or not even uh, one year, I should say, not even a full season, you don't give him time to implement his style, his players, his way, pull the rug from underneath. You've heard Julian Gressel. I heard his podcast. He explains very well. Uh, Losada expected a lot of things out of his players, both on the field and off the field, more professionalism, uh, high maintenance, high style of play. It was very rough for those players, very Bielsa running yep. those players into the ground. I will say this then to the DC brass, Casper and Co., what are you doing? What do you think would have happened? like Major League Soccer is a very physical league. Do you think that DC United was going to run everybody into the ground? That you knew something that everybody else did not? That you were going to get these things going in under a year? That Losada was going to be the man and he was going to light the league on fire with this amazing roster that you put out? A playoff roster, they call it. That's what you want to give your fans a playoff roster. That is the bar. So it's not surprising. I jokingly called them last season the San Jose of the East, and it very much looks that way.
0: Well, both well San Jose and now DC United both have fired their managers uh, early in the season. My only question is, it came as no surprise that this was his coaching style, right? Everybody knew. If you did your homework, you knew this might have happened, that this was his style. He was hard on players. He demanded a lot during the week, coming early, watching film, uh, a lot of attention was put on the, on the, on the diet. Yeah, weight hydration testing. The checks, training hydration the feel, testing. recovery. If you did your homework, you, need, you knew this was his style. So uh, it's, it's, it's a little hard to understand yeah. that this is the only reason why he's been fired here. Yeah, I, and i just add to this. Uh, it's been reported
1: that one of the final straws was him wanting Steve Birnbaum, his captain, to go to the Open Cup game. And upper management saying no he needs to rest he's going to stay and him saying well if the head coach can't pick like what's going on here why hire him if exactly. He's gonna, exactly not let him coach exactly. and, and to these players who felt like maybe it was too harsh too professional uh, you play a game for a living. You're so blessed and fortunate to play a game for a living. Julian Gressel himself said, yeah, maybe he was hard, but
0: he wanted to get the best out of you. Maybe a little self-reflection there. Players are too pampered sometimes, man. Sometimes they're too pampered. Uh, his assistant, Chad Ashton, takes over most likely, according to Jeff Carlyle, until the end of the season. Uh, the All-Star Game was announced this Thursday, and it, it is a rematch. Major League Soccer All-Stars versus Liga MX All-Stars, August 10th, the game will be played in Minnesota. I'm glad this is sample actually on ESPN. I'm glad that it it's happening again. I think this has to pick up, I think, Fans liked it, I like the rivalry. What do you make of bringing back Liga MX to play the MLS All-Star game?
1: Insanely popular, so yeah. it's gonna be here to stay. Uh, right up our alley, right? This is what we're made for. This, exactly. is our, this is a franchise, I'm sorry, this is a rivalry that sells, I shouldn't even say franchise
0: even though it sounds like that, but this sells. Uh, more Major League Soccer action this Saturday. Minnesota United will host uh, Sheridan Shakiri and Chicago Fire. ESPN, ESPN Deportes also streaming on the ESPN app, and then Sunday doubleheader, me and her will be on the Inter Miami versus Atlanta United match that starts at 1 p.m. Eastern, followed by Orlando City versus Red Bull New York.
2: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
0: CONCACAF W Championship draw on Wednesday in Miami. Our very own Pilar Perez was hosting the draw. She did a fantastic job. So, felicidades, congrats, well done to our very own Pilar Perez. Here we go, we have the groups. Um, and for Mexico, it's not gonna be easy. United States, Mexico, Jamaica, uh, Group A with Haiti, and then Canada, Costa Rica, Panama, and Trinidad and Tobago. Very difficult group. <laughs> group A, group of death, right? This this tournament is in Monterrey. They will
1: have home field advantage, but you did not want to play against the U.S. Women's National Team if you're Mexico. And we just had Julie Foudy on here last week, speaking of how dangerous Jamaica is. How yep. you want to avoid Jamaica in that front line. A very difficult group. Qualifying directly uh, looks like uh, it's going to be a very difficult task for the Mexican National Team Women.
0: Yeah, after round-robin groups, stage play the two teams. Two top teams in each group will move on to the semifinals and qualifying directly to the Women's World Cup in 2023. Uh, Cristina Alexander with the chances of this Mexican national team.
3: Guys, it looks like it's going to be a very tough summer for this uh, women's and Mexican and national team. And I don't say that lightly. I'm trying to be very realistic here with what's coming up now with this CONCACAF and W Championship. And it's not only because of that rival, of course, the most complicated one that they're going to have with this U.S. women's and national team, which we know historically has been very complicated for Mexico, but also because of Jamaica and Haiti now, as to the reggae girls. A lot of these players are in the English league, which include names like Chelsea, Tottenham and Leicester. And this Haiti side, a lot of them also, the vast majority are players in the French league. So that experience and that toughness that it takes to be a part of the two of the most important leagues in the world, of course, has, has contributed a lot uh, as to why the Jamaican and the Haitian side are very dangerous, not only for the Mexican side, but also for the U S women's national team. And of course we know that when Monica Vergara was called up to be manager for this Mexican national side, she said that one of her priorities was not only to get back to the international stage, but to really just put in the work, to be able to get even to this point. And she said that the way that she can do that is trying to get the toughest rivals in friendlies for the Mexican side. Now we saw on two occasions that Mexico went up against the US 4-0 results in each of those games against the Mexican side. But at the end of the day, it can be a learning experience as it has been with this women's Liga MX. So I think more than anything, it's the opportunity for Monica Vergara and these players and everybody behind this project to take a look in the mirror and really have so many questions answered as to, have we done enough work for this national team or do we still need to put more of the grind behind what has been the women's league at MX. So that'll be really interesting this summer, guys, and I'm sure we'll be here to talk about it a little bit more.
0: Cristina, thank you very much. The U.S. women's national team will face Colombia twice in June friendly matches in Cover City, Colorado, and in Sandy, Utah. The game on June 28th is on ESPN, Herc. Gotta love it. We got all the best games. It's <laughs> still a uh... A lot of games
1: to come up for Vlaco's team. He's trying out very young players. Some of those veteran players itching to get back. You see Alex
0: Morgan banging in those
1: goals. Let's see what happens.
0: So here we go. International friendly. The U.S. Women's National Team will play Colombia. That's going to be on a Tuesday, June 28th, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on ESPN. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any If Sebi is watching, he's going to like this topic. America. He's on vacation. He's not watching. We'll see. Fifth (laughs) win in a row. Uh, Hosting Leon. Nice W. Wednesday night at Estadio Azteca. Fernando Ortiz seems to have found a starting 11 that works. Now, America, they're tied for most goals since March 6th and conceded the fewest goals in Liga MX. This is Fernando Ortiz's team. Sendejas with a fantastic goal. This is this this was this was drawn right. This was part of Fernando Ortiz's magic, working his magic oh, as yeah. a manager. Oh, 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 yeah.
1: That's that's what he was doing, work, working his magic as a, as a manager. Uh, okay. Where would you like to start with this America team? Because okay, this is essentially the same group that did 73 points with Santiago Solari in a calendar year. Yes. Okay, which is a Liga MX record. It's a very good group. It could be pragmatic. It could be uh, zero brillantes. Zero brillantes, that means, you know, not spectacular at all. It it could be boring to most, but it's effective, okay? As pragmatic and boring as it is, it's effective. And they went back to defending, and they're doing it very well. But when Solari was there, they got into a rough patch. And Solari was as much to blame as anybody else. He was putting so much pressure on these players by how he he was... uh, I guess, showing that to the press, how he was showing that pressure, crumbling on the pressure to his team, that it was going against them. He's out, they come in, it's still the same team, muscle memory kicks in, and also their calendar has gotten easier. Let's, let's state the obvious here, and then I'll go through it, okay? They played against Michelle Añuel Chivas, okay? Yeah. Not very good team. For all- Toluca's, Toluca, uh, who's been horrible, they yeah. won. Okay, w? yeah. Necaxa, team that it was a mm. 91st minute goalkeeper error that gave them the win. Mm. Okay. A Juarez mm. team who's been awful. And Cholos, who've been not great. And then a Leon team that managed to finish the game miraculously <laughs> with eight players. I don't know what's going on in Leon. But, we'll talk about that but in a second. It's been a very favorable
0: calendar for Club America, okay. but they've been doing their job. They've been doing their job if you have a favorable calendar, you have to take advantage of it, right? Correct. And they are taking advantage of it. I agree with your take on Solari. Yes. 100%. I disagree with your take that this is a boring team, and what? No, 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 they're styled during the 73 points. Okay, like that's oh, Okay. that's because yes. this team under Fernando Correct. Ortiz, they're not boring. No. They're playing good, good soccer. Look at the numbers. Mm. They are not Tigres yet, yet Tigres lost against uh, Necaxa the other day. So I like the way Fernando Ortiz is going back to basics. The fact that he's using one of the best players in Liga MX, Alvaro Fidalgo, as a second holding midfielder next to Richard Sanchez. The fact that Alex Endejas has found his place in this team on the right-hand side. The fact that Federico Viña starting as a number yeah. nine, I know he hasn't scored much, but the way you see him involved in the buildup, that's all on Fernando Ortiz. Why was and Diego Valdez, the and, resurgence of the And Olympics. Diego Valdez, that's the key. Because you have a playmaker who's making plays. He's scoring, he's assisting, and I'll tell you this. I know Pachuca's looking great. I know Tigres, they look good, even though they the lost next two opponents. They lost America. a few days ago. yes. yes. But no team will want any part of America come Liguilla time.
1: No. No team. No, because it's, as many as many have stated in our industry, el animal de Liguilla. They're, <laughs> they're an animal. They're a beast when it comes to playing these. They, they know what it's about. There are those teams who just know what how to do and how to get it done in this playoff format. They're one of them. I will stress that this is still the same team that had that rough patch with Solari. Still the same team and a very young manager with Ortiz. They are getting their footing, though, and that's a very scary thing for a lot of players.
0: Now, let's not forget, yes, because Ortiz, this is his first experience as uh, the coach of the first team in Mexico, he had previous experiences in Paraguay, not very successful, but next to him, Raul Rodrigo Lara, a legend of Club America who knows all about Liguillas. That was the that was the big knock on Santiago Solari. He doesn't know how to coach, how to play Liguillas. Well, now there's a coaching staff that most likely they do know what they're going to do come Liguilla time. Um, so you you mentioned León, and... We have to talk about Leon. Ariel Holland resigned for the second time as Leon manager. This time his resignation was accepted. He didn't want to touch on his relationship with the players, but Herc, it seems like that relationship was not ideal. So, How
1: do you say that in English? They they made his bed. Pretty much saying that the players tanked to get him out. I do not believe that, but there was a toxic environment there. Created by Holland? Could be. But it needed to be said, and it needed to be get done, and he's out.
0: Uh, It's a shame because he came with high expectations, very successful in South America, and what the León executives wanted was a better style of play. He is now out. León, they are the last passenger, 12th in the league, that would give them a ticket to El Repechaje, the playoffs, but they're not looking good. America is already fifth. Alfonso Davis is CONCACAF's best player. There's no room for debate. He missed the second round of the octagonal, but Canada made it back to the World Cup. They're going to play the World Cup for the first time since 1986. He's going to play their classic.er On Saturday against Borussia Dortmund on ABC on our very own Archie Rindude had the chance to have a conversation with Fancy.
4: It's Bayern Munich. It means that everyone's got an opinion. Yeah. As I'm sure you're well aware by now, even before joining the club, what's your diagnosis as to what went wrong against Villarreal? I mean, for me, it's, I mean, there's football, you know.
5: You know, you go into a game, you know, thinking that you're going to win it, but you know, things things happen. I mean, take nothing from Villarreal; uh, they're a great team, you know. As you can see in the first leg, they they can play football. They play football, you know. They they rose to the occasion and. Uh, yeah, we knew that it wasn't our best game um, away from home and uh, coming back here. You know, we we prepared for for them and uh, our mindset was right. I guess um, I don't know things things happened uh, you know, that low uh, we had the ball I think 70 60% of the time. Um, we had a lot of crosses, a lot of chances to to score, but I mean you know, we just couldn't couldn't do it. You know, they had uh, one break and they go punish us at this high level. You know, just one opportunity sets you apart from the rest. And you know, they they came out here, they played well, and yeah, we're devastated with the loss. Uh, devastated about the loss, but uh, we keep our head high. You know, we still have something to fight, to play, to play for it. Uh, this year, and uh, definitely go go again next year. But uh, you know, with more hunger and more fight.
4: How's it going up against Erling Haaland for you? It's uh-huh. about. One of the only players who's as quick as you as well in
5: that team. Yeah, I mean he's uh, he's a big guy. You know, when the ball gets played, it's very hard to to muscle him. You know, he's strong. Uh, he's also quick as well. So, I mean, we we're smart when we defend him. You know, we know that he likes to run in behind. And for us, we just have to stop the stop the, the ball going behind. We know that you can't stop every ball. It's gonna happen. But uh,
4: yeah, I mean, I think we're we're gonna do we're gonna do the job. Is winning the Bundesliga alone enough for you
5: No, obviously, you know, winning the Bones, you guys uh, is a tremendous, you know, accomplishment. Um, you know, uh, we've won it uh, many times and obviously we want to keep winning it and also more and more. So yeah, for us, um, you know, we're hungry, we want more. And uh, if we could have added, you know, another two trophies to the cabinet, or even another five would have been amazing. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, for us, uh, you know, it was a long season and uh, yeah, we're, we're we're hungry to win this title and we're, we're ready for the fight. We got to talk about Canada as well.
4: Sure. Because uh, you're going to the World Cup. Yes. Very exciting. Very exciting. I'm happy for that. And tell me how you felt before that game where you qualified. Because I, once you're into the game, you know, there's Alfonso the, the player, but Alfonso, the fan. Yeah. What What are those hours like before?
5: Yeah, for me, I mean, you know, it was unfortunate what happened. Um, you know, me not being there with the team, but you know, uh, yeah, watching the game as a fan, you know, you see, you know, the outside noise when you're not really, you know, part of the team. You see the outside noise, you see the support the team has, and for me, it was it was nerve-wracking. I mean, I wasn't on the pitch, but I was, I was nervous. You know, for the team, for you know, for how the game's gonna go. Um, we knew that Jamaica was a strong team. We knew the, the kind of players they have. And, you know, we were motivated because uh, we just came off, uh, came off a loss. Um, I think it was in, uh, I forgot who we played before, but we came off, a, came off a loss. And we told ourselves we need to win this game. You know, this game is a must win, one win, and we're inside. So, I mean, I sent the boys a little
4: text, good luck, and I just sat down and watched the game. And they put on a brilliant performance. How was it here? Because I'm imagining you're getting quite a lot of back chat, no names, okay, maybe Thomas Muller, about, <laughs> oh yeah, when are we ever going to see you at a World Cup? And you must have strode in the next day being like, morning guys. Yeah, no, it was,
5: <laughs> no, you know, they make a little one-two fun, you know, I have it. It, it, it's all, you know, under control, All respect, so, yeah, you know, they're happy for me, you know, they all say congratulations, you know, they know, you know, the history, you know, uh, 36 years having made it to a World Cup, and now for the first time, so... Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit of one, two jokes, but at the end of the day, you know, they all respect it, you know. They know that uh, this tournament is, you know, it's every footballer's dream. Every footballer, you know, wants to play in the World Cup for their country, and... Yeah, it was, it was, really, uh, it was a really cool moment for me.
4: How would you compare the way that Canada played to how you play here with Bayern, there's a, a bit of a difference in terms of how you're here expected to dominate every opponent. I guess. Yeah. How, how would you compare that? I mean, Bayern. You know, you have
5: you know the caliber of players that they have. Amazing players. You know, uh, World Cup winner, Champions League winner. You know, cup many times as well. So, yeah, here, you know, it's just me doing my job. And same with Canada as well. You know, we have, we have some great players as well. And there, it's just me doing my job. You know, wherever the coach posts me, um, you know, for Canada, I feel a little bit higher up the pitch. Here I play, you know, defense. So, yeah, for me, it doesn't matter. Wherever,
4: wherever the coach posts me, wherever I, I play, I'm trying to do the best as, as I can. Talk to me about that goal you scored against Panama. The so, one where you're out on the touchline. And yes. just as a viewer, I'm thinking, well, there's no danger. Wait, what? What's he done? <laughs> I. Right.
5: Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the goal started. You know, Panama had the ball for I think a minute or a minute and a half. You know, they're switching the ball back and forth. You know, again a little bit. Uh, a little bit you know, we knew that uh, we had to win that game. You know, I think it was one-one at the time, and uh, and I me and tejon actually switched position. I went to the right side. He was playing on the left. Johnny was playing on the, up top and uh, the ball got loose in the box, and uh, I knew Johnny knew that I was on the right side, so when he played the ball, he expected me to be there, and fortunately, I was a little bit further back. And as the ball was rolling out, I started running to the ball, and then I saw the defender actually slow down. That's why I picked up pace a little bit more. So when he slowed down, I picked up pace. I slowed down a little bit because I thought he was just going to kick it out, but then when he lifted his, his uh, I think it was his right foot, I was like, okay, I, this, this ball's mine, so I kept it in. I actually looked back at the linesman to see if he put his flag up. But he didn't, so I just ran to goal and I knew Tejon was on the other side, but at that situation it was 1v1, so and I was in the box, so I was to myself I was like I have to beat this guy and get a shot on goal. So yeah, when I when I cut to my left foot, I had one thing in mind, goalkeeper's side and the rest of it was worked, <laughs> worked
4: out. So, you're gonna be at the World Cup. How do you how do you see that now? What can Canada do? I mean,
5: yeah, I mean the first thing is, you know, we make it, which we're very excited and yeah, we know this is gonna be the biggest test in in our in our history of the country and you know against uh, uh, teams like this, uh, countries like this. You no, know, it's not going to be easy, but we're going to go there with the with the mindset. You know, we we're here for a reason. We're excited. We're happy to be here, and we show the world what we can do.
0: let's run it back. Alfonso Davis, best Bear Clásica moments. We have an assist. That. Brilliant, beautiful left foot of it. Thomas
1: Mueller. It's the type of assist. Look at this curling, shaping oh right onto God. Thomas Mueller's head. Even
0: I could score with an assist like that. He's not just all speed, he's
1: not just all 1v one, 1v1 one, 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 one ability. This man can play a ball, he can strike a ball.
0: Alright, if you like that assist, what about this one? Leroy. Sané, finds eh? Sane and then Robert Lewandowski. That was a fantastic effort by the whole team, not only yeah. Fonzi.
1: It looks simple, right? It's a good entry ball, but these simple things are so difficult to do. Hard, great little entry ball, Leroy signing with a piece of brilliant, and then Lewandowski doing
0: what he does, just putting it away. That clásico great moment. Yeah. Then I'm, I'm already picturing the connection. Fonzie Raúl, look at him here, defending Early Holland.
1: No, no, it's the speed, it's the meek meek, as our good friend Thomas Mueller would say. He was like a good 30 wow. yards away from the play. It's wow. Edlin Brut Holland right there. You think he would put this away? Nah, 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 not on Fonzie's watch.
0: He's played four league Their classicers, won them all. And the new edition of the classic at Bayern can win the league on Saturday if Uh-oh. they beat Dortmund. Coverage starts 11.30 a.m. Eastern. will be at the watch party with legend Claudio Pizarro on ESPN+. Plus. are going to watch party. Yeah. All right. And then the match starting at noon Eastern on ABC and ESPN Deportes. Parting shots. Fulham, again, promoted. It seems like they get promoted and then relegated the next season to UN's best national team players, part of that team. Anthony Robinson and Team Ream, they will be playing, hopefully, Premier League starting next season.
1: Yeah, Anthony Robinson's had a very good season. Tim Ream, yeah. who I know I'm one of those guys who was given him a lot of slack with the U.S. Men's National A lot of shtick, I should say. Uh, very good professional. Uh, played almost every game, I believe, for Fulham. And Fulham, the first original America's team. I'm going back to the days of Brian McBride, back to the days of Clint Dempsey, back to yeah. the days when... Carlos Bocanegra oh, was Carlos on Boca This was the first team that Americans yeah. adopted, or actually the U.S. Men's National Team supporters adopted in England. They go up again. Credit to where uh, credit is due. Congratulations to everybody down there,
0: or up there. Four years ago, I was there at the stadium, and they still have Clean Dempsey's banners for every single match. What's a legend, man. All right, on Monday, Christian Rondan, he will play Seattle Pumas for the CONCACAF Champions League final. Remember, to, to download the podcast, subscribe, rate, share with everyone. Football Americas. Thanks for having me on your show. Sepp will be back on Monday, I believe. Right? We'll get you back. Sepp's on vacation somewhere. I don't know. He's not watching, so it doesn't matter. Thanks for watching. Football Americas. See you next time.